When I was in sixth grade, sixth and seventh grade, I spent a lot of time on crutches and in a cast. And uh, I was very tiny as a middle schooler. I know that's hard to believe right now, but I was. I was cute and tiny. And, uh, and it paid. It, it definitely paid to have crutches and, and, and a cast on, too, uh, because girls paid attention to cute, tiny kids in cast and, and, and on crutches. And I remember sitting at the lunchroom table in sixth grade, and I'm sure many of you maybe have a horror story from middle school or two or three or a billion, because middle school's the worst. Um, but I was sitting at this table, and the cheerleaders for the middle school football team were sitting with me, and I was laughing and cutting up, and I was a comedian and cracking jokes, and it was real fun and everything. And, and one of the cheerleaders just happened to like me, this little pipsqueak of a dude who had no real abilities for anything and, 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 and just was sitting in crutches and, and completely incapacitated. And one of these uh, football players from the middle school team right? You've all had this story. Comes and stands over me and stares down at me. And, he, and I'm just kind of like, hey. He says to me, who are you? Like, I could crush you. And I was like, yeah, you could. Jesus said, but among you, it will be different. A couple years ago, I was playing basketball at the Rush, and, uh, and we were playing. And, and if you don't know anything about basketball, it, typical rules are you win, you stay, you lose, you walk off in shame, and the next team comes out. Well, something happened that day, and it was interesting because on my team was one of the, the, the students, and his dad was on the other team. And his dad's team, uh, we, we, we won, and we walked off the court just to wait, get a drink of water, get ready to go again, get ready to run, and this dad, I kid you not, takes the basketball out to the middle of the court, puts it down in the middle of the court, puts his foot on the ball and says, I'm not going anywhere. Alright? He says, I'm not going anywhere. I'm playing next. I may have lost. It don't matter. I'm going to stay on the court. And I could see this, this kid who is super embarrassed that his dad is throwing this fit. Ultimately, he's having a temper tantrum on a basketball court because he lost. But he's telling everybody, I ain't going nowhere. Somebody's going to pick me up and run with me. And I remember everybody was sitting there going, is this for real? Like, is this happening? Like, and nobody wanted to get into anything. I mean, it's, it's rush basketball. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Okay, we're not playing for an NBA championship here. We are old and playing with teenagers. And it, it, anyways... And I kid you not, the other team said, well, fine, we'll put him back on our team. The dad walks over to his son, looks at him, and says, that's how you do it. You don't let anyone tell you what to do. Jesus said, but among you, it will be different. Well, I really appreciate the offer, but I'm just... Happy the way things are. Okay. Thank you. That was Joe asking me if I wanted to take over as acting manager while they find a replacement. But I told her, I don't want to mess this up, right? There's a consensus. People are happy. <laughs> Dwight Schrute. <laughs> yes, I would. Thank you. Jordan, 
Gather my things from my desk. We all have that one friend we do not want in charge, right? Like, you can think, you're seeing their face right now. If I said, there's this one guy we do not want to be, to be in charge of running things, you all have someone in your mind right now. Jesus said, but among you, it will be different. In Mark's gospel, where we see this encounter with the disciples, Jesus has already three separate times told the disciples, I'm going to die. And each time he gets progressively more detailed in how it's going to happen. And he's, he's done all of these things and he's tried to explain why he came. Like, we do a lot of debating about why Jesus came when it, a lot of it would be answered if we just let Jesus do the explaining. And so he tells us why he's come. He's going to die and he is going to lay his life down. He's going to be betrayed and handed over and he is going to die in Jerusalem. And so he has made this declaration, and he's done all of these great things. And then we see James and John come with a request, just like they do. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. Love those moments in life, right? When somebody says that, you get a little bit leery. What is your request, he asked. They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I am about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Oh, yes, they replied. We are able. Then Jesus told them, You will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. God has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. We really aren't much different from James and John. Are we? Like, are we? When we get a big desk, what do we do the minute we get a big desk? We get a nameplate for that big desk. Why? Because we forget where we're going to sit? No. So others know where we sit. Like, that's why we have a nameplate at our desk. We don't need the nameplate. Everyone else needs the nameplate. Correct? Because look who you're talking to, and I'm behind a big desk. Right? When we get our little name tags... They tell everybody our role and position, right? It's not just Jason. It's Jason Manager. Because Jason's just lame. But Jason Manager, now that carries some weight. You have to listen to me. Because it's his manager on it. Now, I hope you don't get mad at James and John for asking what they asked. Because we're not very different from James and John. We live in a day and an age where you can actually pay companies online where you can promote yourself. 
tens of thousands of Instagram followers. Why? To take a picture of your cat. I love my cat. I think this, the whole world should love my cat too. Why? Because we love our food. And we want everyone to know what food we're eating. So we'll pay organizations tens of thousands of dollars so that we can promote ourselves. Are we really that different from James and John? I don't think we are. And I find it humorous that Jesus tries to give James and John an out from their statement. He does. He says, are you serious? Do you think you can actually walk the road of suffering that I'm about to walk, the abuse that I am about to take, do you think you can actually walk there with me? Now, at that mention, if I was the disciples, having Jesus already said multiple times over, I'm going to die, that's when I would have gone, oh, that's what he means. You know what? Balcony seats are fine, Jesus. Just glad to get in. <laughs> you know what? You put us somewhere over there where we can just have a view of you. We're good. But absolutely not. They did not do that. You know what they did? They were like, oh, yeah, we can. High five, James. High five, John. Sons of Zebedee, rule. You know, I don't know if that's what they did, but it feels like that's what they would have done at that moment. Jesus actually tries to give them an out. And they still have a popular view that Jews held for the return, for the Messiah's coming. And that is, oh, this road is suffering. You're about to do? Oh, this is like a black ops mission into Jerusalem. We're taking the city back. We're going to take things over. This is going to be us. We are in, Jesus. Ride or die, homie. We are with you. We will go in guns blazing. We are going to take every... You know. No. You see, there were many who had a popular view that Jesus was going to restore rule to Jerusalem. There were many disciples who thought, hey, Jesus is going to take out these Romans and he's going to restore us back to an authority no longer being ruled by anyone else. But Jesus said among you, it will be different. The other disciples were upset that James and John would selfishly ask for something like this. And I don't want you to think it's because they were more spiritual it's probably because they didn't think of it first. <laughs> are we that different from James and John? I don't think we are. Jesus can see that things are about to get out of hand, and so he calls them together. Verse 42 says, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. If, you're, if you have your Bible or your Bible open or your phone open and you're looking at it and you're not checking Facebook in church, you're looking at your Bible in church on your phone, circle that word will. Don't just, I'm like, if, if, you don't, if you don't have a way to highlight on your Bible app, you circle it with pen. And no one will know why that circle is there except you, but that's fine. Jesus said it will be different. He didn't say, here's a suggestion, here's an option. He said, but among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
for the Christ follower, it is absolutely impossible to separate leading and serving. They go hand in hand. They are the same thing. It is how you and I, as Christ followers, lead, we serve. We serve, we lead. They are interchangeable words. Because in Jesus' day, he, he even, and his disciples knew, you know how the world works. And all they want to do is lord it over and flaunt their authority. But among you, it will be different. There have actually been Christian organizations that have come together and suggested throughout time and history that leaders are the problem. And so anyone who aspires to lead is the problem. In the 1950s, there was a book um, that was written by some students uh, in Illinois that talked about the... Um, authoritarian complex and that basically anyone who aspired to be a leader of any kind had unhealthy psychological needs and they were off balance. They, were, they would suggest that this is not a good idea and there should not be leaders of any kind. And obviously the world had seen Hitler, Mussolini, and Stalin, and Lenin, and all of the horrors that came with that. And so people's views became, well, leading, that's the problem. Let's just not have any leaders. Organizations in the 60s rallying to see public service leadership taken away. There, um, there was a teaching movement in the 60s reading about this. I wasn't alive in the 60s. It's okay. It's all right. Um, but some of you were. Some of you may have lived through this. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying you might have lived during the 60s. Um, but when these, these teachers and these organizations came together, they, they suggested that it no longer needed to be a teacher and listeners, but that everyone's a listener. So no longer was it a teacher would teach two plus two is four, but everyone sat around the round table, teachers... With elementary schoolers, mind you, what do you think two plus two should equal? Now, fortunately, this rally against there being leaders and listeners and listeners and everybody's a listener, it didn't work. And the irony to all of it was that these anti-leadership organizations needed leadership. I just found that humorous. That's just extra. Um, Jesus suggests that there is a way that we will lead. And you and I sense a call to lead. And that's, here's the thing. If you're in this room going, you know what? I don't own a business. I'm not in charge of anything. I'm never going to be asked to give a TED talk. I'm never going to, here's the problem with this. We all have influence. Regardless of where you are, Regardless of what you think you're going to be doing, you have influence where you are. Jesus was not anti-leader. However, he was anti-how the world describes leading. Jesus flips things, and this is what the kingdom looks like. People desiring to lead as Jesus would ask us to. And you and I, Look at this from the perspective of we're just like James and John. James and John came to Jesus looking for power, looking for position, looking for platform. And the thing that turns it all on its head is Jesus says, take a posture. But wait a minute. No, I want to be in, I want to lead. I want to be in this position. I want to do these things. I want to make this happen. Good, take a posture. But Jesus, you don't understand. If I don't take this power, this platform, this thing, things are going to go wrong and th I'm going to get stepped on. About Just take 
the posture. See, we like to argue with Jesus. We like to suggest that he doesn't know what he's doing. We like to suggest that his ideas are wrong. And we'll see that in just a minute. But we know that with, when it comes to leadership and doing as the world does, Jesus said in verse 42, Jesus called them together. You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. He said, you know. And this is not how Jesus lived. This is not what Jesus taught. And his teaching and his life were a picture of what humility looks like. One of my favorite stories that Jesus tells is when he's talking to the Pharisees at a party and he explains to them, look, here's the situation. You got a whole row of seats and the party leader, the guy who's organized it, sitting over here, you walk into the party and you're like, oh, I'm going to sit right next to the guy who's hosting this party. Boom. And then the party host looks at you and goes, what are you doing sitting there? Go to the end of the table. Then what? Humiliation, right? Jesus said, hey, when you go into that party, you go and take the lowest seat possible. And then, hey, you know what? Maybe the host will look down at you and say, hey, why don't you come sit up here next to me? Maybe he won't. But if you take the posture, you save yourself the humiliation, right? Then Jesus, when he was on his way to Jerusalem as his time to, do, to go to the cross and die was coming, he sat with the disciples. And because he had all authority, because he knew that God had given all authority to him, and because he knew where he came from and where he was going, Jesus gets up from the table, grabs a towel and a basin, and begins to wash feet. Takes dirty, dirty feet. The king of all the universe, of everything, kneels down, Grabs a towel, basin full of water, and begins to wash his creation's feet. Sometimes I just don't think we stop to think about that for any amount of time because we're familiar with it. But the moment he did that, I would bet that the angels in heaven were like, I did not see that coming! Did you see that coming? I did not see that coming. We know who that is, and he's washing somebody's feet. I did not. I would, wow, wow, bravo, way to go, God. Totally turning it on its head. Jesus said among you, it will be different. Peter, in Peter's very arrogant way, does he respond with, oh, thank you, thank you, Jesus, for washing my feet? What does he do? No, Jesus. <laughs> You're not washing my feet, bud. I know how this goes. You're not washing my feet at all. And what does Jesus say? He says, if I don't wash you, you cannot be mine. And then overdramatic Peter, you know, wash all of me then, Jesus. Peter's like, you know, anyways, the disciples are looking at him. Come on, come on, guys. Jesus says to them in verse 12, After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? 
You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Jesus' life, his teachings, and we will see that his death bring us to the source of how you and I are to lead slash serve. The words, I hope, will become interchangeable among us. To lead is to serve, serve is to lead. It's this, it's, Jesus said, but among you it will be different. Verse 43, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. When James and John came to Jesus, they were looking for a platform or position or power because they knew they couldn't be the greatest. At least they could be associated with the greatest. But Jesus told them not to worry about the platform or the position, but to take the posture. And truly to take the posture is to leave the platform and the position up to God. It is total dependency upon what God wants to do with each one of our lives. We are to concern ourselves with the posture. He will be the one who provides the position, the platform, the power, wherever you may walk, wherever you may stand, wherever you may lead, wherever you may influence. We are to concern ourselves with the posture of a servant. When you and I focus on the position or the platform, there are some results. If I have my eyes on the prize, if I want to get to that spot in life, we do those things. We start making things happen. We start getting the proper education. We start putting the right amount of money away. We start doing all the things that we need to do to get to that position and platform. And you know what happens when we get there? We look down on anyone else. When we're focused on the position, the platform, and the power, we look down on people because we know how hard we've worked to get here. Right? We do. And when somebody's trying to make something happen and maybe they haven't worked as hard as you, what do you do? You look down on them. You have this lording and this flaunting because what have you done? You fixed your eyes on the platform, the position, and the power that we all long for. We claw our way to get there. But when you and I focus on our posture and leave the platforms, the position, the power, all of those things up to God, humility and serving become the result in every area of our life. Caleb, you go to school, right? He, he goes to school, just so you know. He's there. He's there. What would it look like if Caleb... You took the position of a servant at school. You don't have to answer. You don't have to answer. Unless you want to. Do you want to answer? Or do you just want to sit there and think about it? You think about it? Okay. Good. <laughs> it's good. Husbands. What would it look like? What would it look like in the home? If we took the posture of a servant. Highland, what would it look like if collectively, as the body of Christ, we took the position of servant? 
How would your school days, your employee relationships, employer relationships look? How would your relationships with estranged family, maybe there's been anger and frustration, how would it look to take the position of a servant? Because Jesus said, among you it will be different. I can't answer that question for you because you know where you're at and you know if you've taken the position of a servant or not. But I know that if according to Jesus' words, things do get flipped on their head because he said it will be different among you. I remember several years ago we were doing a student camp and it was all around serving. That movie, You Got Served, had just come out. So we were like, hey, we're going to do a whole camp based on You Got Served. And so there was all this awkward dancing and weird stuff. And we, we're not good at it. And videos that all pointed to You Just Got Served, sucker. And um, the last night we were there, we truly were just going, you know what? I don't know what the Lord wants to do. So we're just going to set up basins with water and towels around this room and let the students and the leaders... And we're just going to let God do whatever he wants to do. And it ended up being this time of ministry where students were committing themselves to other students and saying, I just want to be a servant to you in school, and I want us to serve together. And they were washing their you know, small group leaders' feet and all this different stuff. There was a lot of foot washing going on that night. And it was just this moment of, a, like, I'm committing myself to you. And I want to lead in this way, and I want to love in this way, and I want to remember these moments, and I want to be marked by these moments. And as, a, as the youth pastor, I grab the, the microphone that night, and I'm, and I'm holding it up, and I'm praying, and I'm sitting there trying to bring this awesome evening to a close, and I'm, and I'm just standing there going, God, please just let this... Oh, my hands smell like feet! My hands smell like feet. It was the weirdest wrap-up of a session I have ever done. But it marked our group that at the end of the day, do your hands smell like feet? For those of you who are visual, I get that. For those of you who have that ability to make up smells that you're smelling, I know you're smelling it right now, and I'm sorry. But for us, it was a moment of this is how our hands are to smell. Because among us, it will be different. Because it's really difficult, honestly, to flaunt authority over anyone that you see, as the scriptures say, better than yourself. It's really hard to look down on anyone when you and I are face down before the cross of Christ. It is impossible, I dare say, to look down on anyone at the foot of the cross when our faces are buried. And it is really difficult to lord over anyone when you know that the King of kings and Lord of all lords took the posture of a servant. You know, as Nate and his team come and we close this morning, I know that for some of you, you're going to run out of here going, okay, remember what Jesus did and remember how he did it and remember to do what Jesus did and remember to do what Jesus did. But I may 
have to help us know that even looking to Jesus as our greatest example will not be enough to fuel us. There are many who want to trust and look at Jesus as a good example of a teacher. But Jesus made it clear that he didn't just come to serve, but to give his life as a ransom for many. Might I challenge you, before you run out the doors going, do what Jesus did, do what Jesus did, remember what Jesus has done. I've set myself up to try and serve like Jesus served because I read of his example. I have. It's good to do those things. It's good to look at our lives and go, where am I living as I want to live and rejecting how Jesus has told me to live? We need to do that. But when we look at Jesus as the ex extreme example of what a servant is and we live right there, we forget how he served us. You remember when Peter said, uh, uh, you can't wash me, Jesus? Don't wash me. Jesus hit him with some really hard words. Do you remember the words? If I don't wash you, you cannot be mine. Do you remember that? And Jesus says, wash all, or Peter says, wash all of me. In that statement of unless I serve you, you will not belong to me, we find not that there's this weird, hey, we have to have our feet washed by Jesus, but we must let him serve us the way he said he would, and that is on the cross. See, the, the invitation that Jesus gives each of us is to believe that he has served us fully, that what he has done on the cross has, is everything we need, but Peter's response of, no, 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 Jesus, you don't know what you're talking about. We're going to do things the way I want to do them, and I say, I'm going to wash your feet, Jesus. That's how it's going to be. And Jesus says, no. <laughs> you see, you're coming with, to me with your plans rather than letting me explain to you the plan of God, and that is to serve a broken and rebellious people once and for all through his finished work on the cross. You see, Peter's response is our response to the plan of God. Peter's response is our response. We say to God, no, 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 God. It's not just about Jesus. It's about being good. It's about doing the right things. It's about saying the right things. Oh, and when I do screw up, I go to church and make some decisions. All of this stuff, and then everything's good. Jesus said, No, if I don't serve you, you are not mine. Jesus' full act of service on the cross is first and foremost, it's why he came. He came to make a way home for rebels. And rebels are people who tell Jesus, you don't know what you're doing. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. Jesus' service for us was not just about an example. It was to pay a price that we might find entrance into this upside-down kingdom. One where leaders desire to lay their lives down for each other. This is what we are to be to one another. It is how we are to lead. It's how we are to serve. And it's all wrapped up in one. Letting Jesus serve us 
Through faith, believing on the cross, what he did is once and for all and was for me. And I have rejected his ways. I have rejected his thoughts. I have tried to say Peter's words. No, Jesus. That can't be it. And the truth is, unless he serves us in this way, we cannot be his. So as we close, Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. As good as it is to read of Jesus' style of leadership, it's not enough to fuel world-changing service. The fuel for this kind of leading is found in letting Jesus wash us, letting Jesus pay the ransom that we could not afford, exchanging our sin for his righteousness. The world, it jockeys for position, power, and platform. Jesus said, concern yourself with a posture, and he will do all the rest. Jesus said, among you, it will be different.